Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. Joining me is the founder of this podcast. He hates it when I call him a frequent guest, so I'm going to give him his due here. The guy who came up with the idea for this podcast and decided that he was going to rope in. Oh, now you're going to blame me for all this. A couple of old farts to work with him, and uh, and so far we uh, we have kind of made this work a little bit. Yeah. That's we, Evan Grant. We've only gotten one guy laid off. Yeah, yeah, that was our fault. Yeah. I'm blaming, I'm blaming me. I'm blaming you actually. Uh, okay. So, so anyway, uh, so here we are. The Rangers are a juggernaut. They're 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 winning. You know, at, at this point, I think you got to say, you know, uh, what are their chances at that second wild card? Uh, no, you don't. No, you don't have to say that at all. No? They're, they've won eight of nine, and they're ten games under five hundred. They've beaten the Kansas City Royals, who are a god-awful mess. Yeah. They've beaten the Minnesota Twins, who are not far behind Kansas City. If the Rangers well, no, were in the They're Amer- almost a 500 team. No, they're not very good. Yeah. If, if the Rangers were in the American League Central, um, yeah. maybe uh, they'd be challenging for the division. But uh, they're in the American League West, and it's a tough division. They, they are 10 games under 500. Uh, they are a 500 team against the rest of baseball. Ten games under within their within their own division. So, um, let's not kid ourselves here. This is a seller. Uh, I think they're going to be an aggressive seller, and uh, we can, if you would like, uh, today we can go through some of the guys that that they may be selling. Uh, I just want, or cl- we can go through whatever you'd like, Kevin, because really. I'm just here for your enjoyment. I like that. Uh, I just want to clarify that I was just uh, teasing about them being contenders. No, no, you are. We call you Joe Fan, <laughs> Kevin Fan. We call you. No, no, no. There's no. There's not nearly enough pitching on this team. I will say no, this. but I I have heard from some people on on the social media claims uh, like, hey, could it possibly maybe Ugh. no. No, okay, so happening. let's just let's just put an end to that right now. Yeah, I will say this, and this is something that uh, that uh, Jerry Fraley wrote last week, and and I agree with this. Um, you know, at this when you have a team like this, uh, and everything has gone wrong for the Rangers this season, what you want to see in regard to the uh, uh, staying power of your manager is if the team has quit on the manager. And I think clearly what we have seen is that is not the case. Uh, that these guys are playing very hard, making lots of comebacks. This is We're recording this on Tuesday. Monday night, they came back twice from three-run deficits, uh, which has just kind of become a, a regular sort of thing with, with this group, uh, making lots of comebacks this year. And, and it doesn't mean that they are talented enough to be contenders, but they certainly have the mindset of a contender. And, and that's something you really like to see, these young guys really fighting hard, really staying in the game, uh, not giving up, not mailing it in. I think, again, it comes down to level of competition. They're playing crappy teams right now. <laughs> well, that's true. And, and uh, That's true, but I'm just talking about the mindset. I'm not talking about their It's their level. And, and I, I, would expect, I would expect with the number of young guys that they've got on the roster right now who are playing, um, uh, I, I feel like this team – 
has has young players who are trying to establish themselves and, and they're playing with a lot of effort and they've got some veterans who know that they're in a position to get themselves to contenders yeah. and, and and have a chance to win and so uh, I'm not I, I'm not sitting here saying that this that this recent hot streak passes judgment in any way on the manager or in a good way or a bad way. Um, I, I think some of it is circumstances in, in the talent level that they are playing against right now. And I think that, that a lot of it is that there are, you know, we are in a position where, look, I mean, Cole Hamels basically came out a month ago and, and, and pleaded for the New York Yankees to make a trade for yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty obvious there. Um, uh, I, I think that, that Adrian Beltre understands his situation, that if the Rangers can move him to a contender, they will. And, and I also think that Adrian is the consummate professional. He's going to go out and do his job. The, the, the guys that they have here who are veterans, these are not give-up guys. No, um, they're not. Cole is, 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 is a professional at what he does. Adrian is a professional at what he does. Um, I cannot speak highly enough of uh, what I've seen of Shin Su Chu in the last – this season – um, I, I think he's taking it really seriously in that, hey, if this team is rebuilding, it's my job to pay it forward, and it's my job to make sure that guys that, that, that guys um, get some degree of, of, of growth from being around me. And I think they are. I mean, I think, you know, you look at his on-base streak and you look at the number of walks this team is taking, and I think guys are taking some cues from him right now. So I, I think it's a testament to the players. I think it, it, in, in some ways it, it is a testament that, look, Jeff Bannister hasn't just thrown up his hands and said – this season's over with. He's dug in and he's tried to get the best out of what out of what players he has, and um, it's. But let's not. I, I just don't feel like we're in a position. We're in a position where we should pass any final judgments on what this means about the future. Oh, of the Rangers. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that this means that uh, Jeff Bannister needs to come back for sure. I'm just saying that the signs all look pretty good at this point for a I, just for a team that uh, that's out of it. Uh, there, there's no not only is it the team, uh, you know, I, I, you, you guys always hate for me to bring this kind of stuff up, but I believe I wrote that they they uh, put up the white flag in the off season when they brought in that rotation. That this was they knew this was what was going to happen. Uh, we we put this group out there. We got no prayer of winning. Uh, and, I, I disagree with that. I mean, I think that their their thought was we're probably rolling the dice here and we're probably not going to win with this group it's more than probably if you're going you're coming out of there with that group uh really realistically this is a team that traded for Cole Hamels when they felt like they had to do something what what which one of these guys reminds you remotely of, of Cole Hamels nobody but i mean what they were trying what they were what they were betting on was we're going to bet we're going to bet low and hope we we hit some real some some real uh, royal flushes here. Lottery picks. Yeah, and it was always a low percentage play, but when they were in the position that they were, they had no choice but to either go with low low percentage play. The question is not what their choice was. The question is what they did. Or or say, look, we're just going to tank. We're going to throw Johan Mendez out there from the start of the season, and they yeah, didn't do that. But you couldn't do that. But you couldn't do that. You, you, you know, that, hey, clearly they could. They tried. They've tried like twice to, to put him out there, and it, and he he's not ready for it. Uh, I don't know what's going on with him. By the way, uh, so uh, he, what's going on with him is he's not. He's he he hasn't really um, taken anything by the by the horns, um, and uh, I, I he's taking something. <laughs> I I thought it was. 
look, I thought that it spoke volumes about where the club was when they called him up because they called up a guy who was 0-6 with a 5.5 ERA right. okay, and put him in the rotation and said, we're going to give this guy an extended look. I think it spoke a little bit of desperation. They had nobody. They, yeah. were, they didn't have anybody on the horizon, and they were going to give this guy a shot, hoping it, it caught something. Obviously, what happened in Kansas City – you know, I, I don't have all the details, but look, it's, it's we expect spe- you to come up with those. It details. speaks of this. It speaks of a night out. Whether there was too much to drink, whether there was too much partying, there was not police involved, um, but there was some embarrassment, and clearly, it was enough for the Rangers to sit there and say, "Okay, here's what happened." There were four guys involved: Perez, Tochi, Rugi. And uh, and Mendez, Mendez was pitching in 36 hours. Um, he's a guy who hadn't shown anything in his first big right. league start, and he hadn't shown anything in the minor league levels. And and so they said, okay, we got to take some drastic measures with you. You're gone. The other guys, I think, you know, once you get into a situation where it's two o'clock, three o'clock, whatever, whatever the quote unquote team curfew is, and there's no bed checks going on, but when something happens in the lobby of the hotel or in the hotel, and you've got four guys together, you can't say, well, this guy broke curfew and the other guys didn't. So right. so the other guys become guilty by association. Um, but, uh, you know, they're taking they're taking a drastic measure with them. They're sending them all the way down to, to, to Class A. Uh, they'll try and build them back up. He may get another shot at the big leagues this year, but he's out of options after this year. So yeah. they're not going to have a whole lot to go on on whether Johander Mendez is part of the – the future of this club. And I think we've said this all along that guys like Mendez and Ariel Gerardo, those were the guys who were the most advanced in the minor league system. They probably were back end of the rotation type guys. Anyway, they're guys who they think might make a difference are all at the lower levels. And it's, it's still easier to project guys at the lower levels because they haven't, you know, they haven't run up against elite talent. So they thought about these other guys. Exactly. Let, let me ask you this about, and this is, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. What's up with Carlos Tochi? Why in the world are the Rangers determined to keep him all season long to keep from sending him back? What have they seen from him that makes them think, this guy's got a future? Here's my theory. Um, First of all, let's let's say that the one thing that Carlos Tochi does well is he's got, in in my mind, the the comp that I have is He's got a Devon White-like stride in the outfield. He's got a very nice loping stride to the ball. I think he does take pretty good routes to the ball. He catches the ball pretty well. Um, the Rangers felt he was not a guy who struck out a lot. Well, that was in the minor leagues, and what he did do is make a lot of weak contact. Yes. They were hoping to strengthen him, hoping to get him to – that he would they carry over. They need to feed over. him is what they need to do. <laughs> Hope, he, he, it looks like he weighs about 130 pounds. Hope to get him over the hump um, in the big leagues where he was making contact still and making stronger con- contact. I think this is a case where this is a, this is a guy the Rangers had some interest in as a teenager. Okay, They didn't sign him at that point. He signed elsewhere. I think that, that they have always had some kind of, uh, I don't want to say infatuation, but I think they've had some attraction to him. I think they want to be right. And look, they may be wasting a roster spot on them yes, right now. They are, um, and it may not come to anything in the future. Yeah, uh, but if you were ever going to waste a roster spot, and right now they're basically about two weeks away from guaranteeing that they can keep this guy, and then mm. next year send him out, and and you may not see him from July fourth until September one. They may there may be an injury that comes up that knocks him out. Yeah. 
uh, because all you got to do is keep this guy active for 90 days. You've got 30 days in September that you can activate him for when the roster's expanding. You've got about, uh, last time I checked it, it was about 45 days. So you had about another two and a half weeks to go. Um, but, yeah, I, I the scouts I talked to haven't seen anything. Um, clearly, this is a guy who, you know, should not have been out on, Mon- on a Monday night in Kansas City. Uh, yeah, that, that didn't help his case any either. No, uh, he, he's made a bad base running mistake. Uh, when used as a pinch runner, um, he started one game since he's been back. Yeah, there, there. I, I, a lot of it doesn't make sense, but this is a team that's going nowhere, and they feel like what Carlos Tochi is as a 22 year old might not be what he is as a 25 year old. So they're they're holding that space this year. I, I don't. Who here? Here would be my. He's 22, going on 13 is what he looks like physically. Who? who who would you give – and I, the, I think the fans' response would be, well, Willie Calhoun deserves to be in the big leagues more than this guy. Yeah. question is, where are you going to play Willie? I right. mean, this guy's a backup outfielder. He's a backup center right. fielder. Right. And you don't have to worry about getting at-bats for him. If you've got Willie up here and now you're trying to get at-bats for Profar and for Connor Falefa, mm-hmm. you know, you just get too many guys to try and get at-bats for. I, I, I don't really I, – I think everybody kind of goes, oh, my God, when Tochi appears in the game because they know he's not ready for the big leagues. But – this yeah. is a team going nowhere. Well, that, that, I think that's what's frustrating to fans, too, and, and rightfully so. You know, we can talk about the fact that, well, what else are they going to do? Is that this is a season, all right, you're going to, all right, we're going to find out some things. You know, it, it, that was the, what, that's what John Daniels told us over the winter. This is the saving grace of this season. We're going to find out about our young players. Well, what have you found out? I mean, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah kind of for Leffa has been a discovery, and there's no question about that. He, he is, to me, the answer to that for what has been a raging question with this team is the super sub. They have been more concerned with finding a super sub than they have about finding a successor to Adrian Beltre at third base. Yeah. Why, why this team has been so fascinated with trying to find that you know player, which is the last player you need on a team. Well, they I, went to the World Series twice without one. Right. You know, so they they, they are just fascinated by it. But anyway, I, I think that uh, that that's the issue. So, so when fans look at this, they look at it like, my gosh. This is the young guy you want to look at? This guy? You can line him up during the national anthem and go, no, you can keep the high school kid. Right. We'll, we'll move on to the next one. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't have satisfactory answers yeah. on Carlos Tochi. And, and really, the less, the less said about him at this point in time, the better. Yeah. Um, the hope is that, you know. The hope is that somebody else comes along who's better. And, and there's just nobody in the organization. You know, he's yeah. in, in a best case scenario. He's Craig Gentry, who was a useful player in 2010. Oh, I listen, I I like Craig Gentry a lot better than this. Kid. Um, but Craig Gentry also, you know, Craig Gentry didn't reach the big leagues until he had played at Arkansas, had yeah. a long career, not a long career, but had spent four or five years in the minor leagues. That's true. Maybe, maybe, possibly, when the Rangers are ready to compete in 2020. You know, and now if you get through this year, you can option this guy and yeah. blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, maybe, maybe he is a fourth outfielder. And if he's a fourth outfielder with plus speed, that's great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to something more pleasant then. So let's let's talk about these players that you mentioned a while ago, the veterans on this team and who might be available. And let me ask you this, first of all, is there anybody off the table? No, I don't think so. Not even Elvis. No, I certainly don't. Th- I think if anybody was quote unquote off the table, it would be somebody like Mazzara. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think the let's start here because I think there's been a lot of uh, I've mentioned the name Keone Kella and, yeah. and and I've been told that he's one guy the Rangers are um, letting clubs know that they would be willing to talk about. Absolutely. And I think for a lot of fans, there would be some confusion. Hey, here's a 25 year old. He's got multiple years of control left. He's 19 for 19 in save situations. Why would you consider trading him in the first place? And B, why would you consider trading him uh, so early as ahead of other guys? So let me answer that. And 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 I think the answer here is first of all, we all know relievers are fickle yeah. from year to year. Um, Secondly, Kella is 25. He's going to have four years of service at the end of this year. He could be a free agent by the end of 2020. Yep. This team's not going to contend until 2020 at the earliest. Right. And I think that still may be stretching him. Okay? He's pitching really well right now. And relief pitching and end-of-the-game relief pitching is desirable and marketable in the trade market. He's also a guy with some injury history. Um, has had some elbow issues in the past. And so right now you look at it and you say, you know, this guy with for two years of extra control for us, that's not that big a deal. But for a team that's a contender and expects to contend in 19 and 20, those two years are exceptionally valuable. If he is a closer, if this guy is emerging as a dominant closer, that's also exceptionally valuable to a contending team. And he's pitching so well right now that his value might be higher than it's ever going to be again. So yeah. maybe we parlay that. He's not going to bring. He's certainly not going to bring you a Mark Teixeira trade, and I know that's the first place anybody goes when the Rangers going to make a trade. Uh, he's not going to bring you a, a huge package of prospects, but he may bring you something significant in return. And I think the Rangers are looking at with him. Uh, he's pitching well right now. They're looking at Jake Diekman, who's pitching well and is a free agent at the end of the year and is a left-handed, should be a left-handed specialist, even though the splits are not real good, lefty lefty. Um, and Beltre, who's healthy right now who seems to be moving pretty well, is a free agent at the end of the year, and is hitting, I think those are three guys the Rangers are being a little bit more proactive and saying, okay, we're willing to talk about these guys. If you want to step out now and try and acquire one of these guys, we might be a little bit more willing to help than to hold out until the end of July and the very best deal possible. Um, because I think that the, the chances are you get a fair deal now. If you wait until July, one of these guys might be hurt by then or they might take a turn and, and, and go down. And when you've saved 19 out of 19 opportunities, the chances of having uh, some kind of downturn in success over the, over the next six weeks probably rise a little bit. And, and we're not even getting into the other issues with Keone Kella. No, no. And I, I think that that's I, – I, look, he has been um, – he's been really reliable this year. He has, he has taken on um, – uh, again, the veterans that they have in the bullpen, Diekman is is a consummate team guy. Jesse Chavez is a consummate team guy. Tony Barnett is a consummate team guy. He's gravitated towards all those guys. And I think, I, I think there have been times in the past when Keone's been, um, I don't know what the right word is, uh, medi meteoric kind of highly swings, uh, high swings emotionally. Um, I think in some ways he's always waited for this opportunity, thought he should be a closer, never said as much, but always thought he should be a major league closer. He's getting that opportunity. He's responded to it well. Um, the issues that have that have been there in the past, and you're talking about the lack of effort um, that, that was there at the, uh, at the end of the 2017 spring training season that led to a short demotion, all of that is um, – 
is there and, and teams are aware of it. But I think that right now teams that, that look at him also see a guy who's been real reliable. Yeah, I will say this. I, I wouldn't have any – to me, Keone Kella is the guy I would definitely would trade because I do think he has value. I do think he's doing a good job. This is what teams are looking for, whether they're going to acquire him as a closer or a setup guy. Right. That Because of the stuff, the stuff's very good, and his, and the results have been good this year. His ERA is a little up, but uh, he's, his, his, everything else has been good. And I think that Jose LeClerc – I mean, if we're going to talk about you know guys, young guys, and what they've been able to establish, that Kella has has had a good season, and Jose Leclerc to me looks like a tremendous closer. I I really think I, I trust his stuff more than I do Kella's. Uh, the thing about Leclerc that's that's still a little bit um, iffy is that there are there's still that penchant for walks occasionally. Yeah, but he has been. He's been absolute nails with guys on base, and, and I think that that those leverage situations have really uh, upped the amount of trust the Rangers have in him. I think they've upped the amount of confidence he's got in himself, and and it's forced him to throw more strikes. and And, and he's he's been better. and And I think you know you look at Leclerc; he has been probably the best long term development for guys who will be with the Rangers when they potentially contend again. Uh, Pitching wise, he's been the biggest development. Yeah. Um, He's uh, really good. So that's those are the things they they put themselves in a good position in the bullpen. Uh, I I think they have uh, constructed a good bullpen this year, and uh, uh, they just you know have to do too much with the uh, with the rotation that they have. Um, so uh, so if we, if you're going to get in in these any particular deal they might do, I know we say that packages don't really generally give you a whole lot, but. If you're going to trade an Adrian Beltre, to me, a team, if, if you were going to say, how about we give you Beltre and Kella? We'll yeah, give you, I, we, I, we give you a, a, a guy, a closer potential, and a, and a veteran player. I think you've got the ability to create some some attractive packages there in that you're giving, you could give a team Hamels, who they could control for next year, sure. um, plus, a, plus a reliever. You could give them Beltre plus a usable reliever. Um all of a sudden, that it's not just a rental, and you maybe you may be getting a little bit better haul than you would be either for Beltre or for the for the reliever individually. Mm-hmm. So I think that plays. I think that plays well for them. Um, but they're not. They don't have anybody uh, that is going to on his own generate. No, you know, completely regenerate the minor league system. No, um, uh, I do, and I. You know, I I think one big development has been that the, the play of Chu at this point and has made him at least there's twenty million dollars left less than there was at this point in time last year. Okay, yeah, left in his contract. He's hitting over two eighty, and his on base percentage is pushing four hundred at this point in time. Right, um, and his on base percentage since the All Star break of two thousand fifteen for three years now is is 390 right uh it's he's he's, he's not, very consistent when he's healthy he's not been a non-productive player i think what is i think his career I, numbers are like 277 batting average and he's hitting what 273 right. i mean this is this is who he is and i think also listen i think also the rangers are in a different position than ever before in that okay so there's about 50 million dollars left in that contract how much of that 50 million dollars would they be willing to eat now big question i think that they'd be willing to eat well over the majority of it um because they have a DH that they need to take a look at in Calhoun. Yeah. Um, Chu has uh, 
she's done a great job and um he's he's actually been you know you look at his defensive stats in the outfield this year and he's been a neutral outfielder at the two corner spots. He looks he looks much better this year in the outfield to me than he has in the past. And so you know there he's not an ideal fit for a National League team, but I think a National League team like Arizona might might consider him. Um, I like your when you wrote about this the other day. I like your projection for the Angels because here's the thing for me. Um, it, as you said, could you imagine him hitting second in front of Mike Trout? Uh, him hitting leadoff leadoff in front of Mike Trout yeah. uh, is that um, I think that Chu on a good team is a difference maker. I, I, he's not the kind of guy who can carry a bad team. He he can't he can't make or he can't carry he can't make a good team just a merely good team into a world. Series. But I think on a on a good roster, a single, this is the kind of guy you have to have. A single on base guy, yeah, okay, is not going to change no. the dynamic of a team. Now you put that ahead of Mike Trout. You yeah. put the you put a guy at a 400 on base percentage ahead of a guy at 430 at the top of your order. Yeah, you're putting a lot of pressure on a lot of teams really early. Um, yeah, the Angels have a need in right field, although they shouldn't because I actually like Cole Calhoun. He just has had a miserable year this year. Yeah, he's just come back from injury. I think they'll give him another week or ten days before they make any decisions. And they clearly lost uh, what they thought was going to be at least a halftime DH for them. Uh, when Shohei Otani went out, so right. uh, I, I I think in the in the Angels' most ideal scenario, there they would get somebody who could play first base, so they could DH Albert full time. Yeah. Um, but uh, right now, the the need is as is as drastic in right field slash DH, and that's what Chu does best. Well, I, I and I see, and here's the other thing I like about that deal from the Angels' standpoint is that listen, they've got to capitalize on Mike Trout here. They've got to get him into the postseason, and uh, and I think that being able to do that, and and as you're saying, and putting him in front of uh, you, know, Chu is st- this is not. We're kind of talking about him having a good start here. This is what he does when he's healthy. These are the numbers he's had throughout his career, and so and he has remained healthy this year, and he was healthy last year. So these are all good things, and to me, this is the deal that the that the Rangers sell. You're going to get a guy who's going to have a near 400 uh, OBP, and we're paying for him, right? And 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 here is, let me say this, and I can't say it emphatically enough. Chu's played well. Uh, he's been a great presence in the clubhouse. I think he. I, I think. Also, at this point in time, he'd really cherish another opportunity to, to, to get to a World Series. Um, but the Rangers can't penny pinch here. No. They have to be willing to say, if somebody says, I tell you what, we'll pay everything but the minimum, and we'll, but we'll give you a, a mid-level prospect in return, the Rangers have to jump at that. Because here's yep. the thing, and I've tried to explain this. It's hard to do it sometimes in, on Twitter. But when you're in a rebuilding process right now, Okay, and you're trying to take the most efficient way to do it and cost-effective way to do it. The best thing you can do is sell off contracts that you already have uh, committed to and get a little bit better prospect in return. You can't, at July 2nd, when the international uh, signing day comes around, every team's got an allotted pool, and there is there's not a very big variance in terms of of how much teams can spend. So you can't go out, spend somebody in the Dominican and in Venezuela to, to get your farm system. Right. With the draft, 
same situation exists because bonuses are all slotted. Teams that go over and overpay, they're going to lose a draft pick, so that doesn't happen. So those two, those two talent pools for new talent acquisition are pretty well cost-controlled. Well, one way you can exploit that is by saying, okay, we've got a tradable commodity. We will pay all of his salary to you in exchange for a better prospect. Right. That's what the Rangers can do, and that's what they have to do with every piece that they have. Um, I, that, I think as long as they have a, in, in in this case in particular with Chu, is that uh, I just as apply, we call, what I'm saying. I just want to emphasize. I'm saying apply this to every free agent possibility that they're talking about trading. Hamels, Beltray, Chu. We're willing to pay the bulk of their salary in order to get a better return from you. Yeah, but well, and and I and I, I agree with that 100. percent But it's specifically with Chu because it makes perfect sense because this is what you're looking at here. Um, you know, he's not going to help you win any more games. Not going to not going to make any difference on this team. A, B, when they are competitive again, he his contract will be done. Correct at that point. Uh, and, and C, he's blocking a player. He he's blocking Willie Calhoun. And so this is a guy that which you, is a little bit disappointing in that basically we're right now looking at Willie Calhoun as a 23 year old. DH. And labeling him a DH. Yeah, that is disappointing. But but that's but that's the way it is. And, and 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 he is the one guy. He is the one guy that you can legitimately say, "Here's a young guy we need to look at." That we think has a future. Absolutely. Yeah. And so so to me, this is a as we say, that it is a sunk cost with Chu, and you're going to be paying him no matter what. When he goes. He's going to be replaced by Willie Calhoun, who will be, who will be making right. the major league minimum. There's all and, these motivations, and so you're not you're not out any more money. Your your wife is a realtor, correct? That is correct. And um, when she talks about getting somebody to sell their house, she talks about they're motivated to sell, right? Right. There are there are reasons for the Rangers to be motivated to sell with Sinchu Chu. Oh, no question about it. It, um, won't, it won't cost you any more money. You'd be getting a prospect in return, and you're getting to look at a guy you want correct. to see. So this is a, to me a no brainer. The, the the thing that what it goes back to is, is that oh my gosh, can you get past the fact that you're paying this guy to play for somebody else, and you're pay, and you're paying them a lot of money? That's to play strictly for a vanity issue at this point. It is. It, it, I mean, it is because the other the other choice is okay. Then you can't trade him. And you're not getting anything in return, right? And so you're still going to be paying him, right? So, pay for pay, instead of paying him, pay for a better quality of prospect. Yeah, use that system to your advantage. This is the smart thing to do. It kind of goes back to that old thing what teams used to do, especially in football. When uh, and this is what this was to me the genius of Jimmy Johnson. If we drafted a guy really high, we can't cut him because right. that's embarrassing. And what? How many times did Jimmy in his first? Four years, cut a third round draft pick. Right. You know, boom, cut him. That didn't even didn't keep him one season. And I thought to me, this is genius. He's saying you're sending a message to everybody else on the team. First of all, and you're just saying the guy can't play. Why are we going to keep him? Right. And so, but this is it's the same I, thing here. It's it's well, it's, it's not the same. What's well, not to say he's not saying Shinsu can't play? He can play. He can play. I I, I want to emphasize again. I think he's been tremendous, as is, 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 is good an influence in the clubhouse on these young players as there is, um, and there is value in that. And I think you know, I think ultimately, where the Rangers are going to go with this to save some, um, save some stability, fan continuity, whatever you want to call it. I think ultimately, and and, and let's face facts: Jerkson Profar is not a major league shortstop. No. He might be not not an everyday. He's no. not an everyday shortstop. No, 
There are there's not a great market for Elvis out there in the shortstop area no. because I just think that you look around the league, the contenders are all pretty well set with young dynamic shortstops. I think the Rangers need to figure out a way to make sure that they keep Elvis. Um, I think they need to keep him for a number of reasons. He's the him, one guy. He, he's the face of he, he's he's the face of the franchise. Their last link to the championships. He's still thirty years old. He can have impact. Look, this guy's a guy who's who was impacted as a young player by Michael Young and by Adrian Beltre, and he can have some impact on on, on young guys. They're going to keep Robinson Trinos around. The Robinson Trinos is going to be in this club, in this organization, as an instructor, coach, maybe eventual manager. So they've got two veteran presences there. Um, but yeah, you know, you've got to find a way to move to, to move to and to maximize the value that he can bring you back. And the way to maximize that is to say, we, you know, we'll pay everything that we we possibly can to make this deal work. Yeah, I see. Here's what I see. The guys who are the most who have the most potential to bring you something in return and the guys that they – And the Angels – by the way, the Angels could really use some bullpen help too. Their, sure. Their bullpen is dreadful. Well, it has been for years. Um, so, so is that is uh, – and I agree 100%. Uh, is Chu, is, is Hamels, um, Kella, Beltre, um, Diekman. I think those are the five names that I see. These are guys who have some value, and uh, um, and you know, as as we said, really on on a team like this, you don't. I I you know, hear from readers, and I know one in particular that sent something to me and you both. Why wouldn't you get rid of everybody underneath twenty under the age of twenty seven? Well, just for the reason we just said, you got to have some older guys on it. You you put a bunch of kids on a raft out here, uh, and then you, you see what happens with that. I don't care how good they are. They, they, you know, they're going to develop a lot sure. of bad habits. A lot of bad things are going to happen. You need to have some veteran presence on there. And look, I mean, somebody at some point in time, they'll probably put Tony Barnett out on waivers to see if somebody will claim him, and they'll right. make a minor trade for him. Well, I'm not saying you shouldn't trade. I'm just saying he will, he's not going to have the same interest. Right. As now, these I other mean, those guys. those guys aren't going to bring anything really in return. No. Um, and you're gonna when you do move a guy like Barnett, you're gonna create more opportunity for a guy like Ricardo Rodriguez, and then you're gonna see. When you move Jake Diekman, you're going to see somebody like Brady Feigl, Um, and and you're going to see the Rangers. I think I believe they're going to have to at some point in time at least look at Connor Sadzik before he's out of options at the end of this year. So is that gonna, right? He's out at the end of this year. Yeah. So you're wow. gonna have to, you know, you're gonna have to just bring some of these guys up just to take a look at them and get an idea. And and as we said, bullpens are fickle. You know. You'd love to have a dominant bullpen from year to year. You're not going to need one next year. No. Um, trade what you can. Move the guys out. Take a look at some of these guys that are – That I mean, if there's one place where they do have some guys who might be ready for the big leagues with the exception of Calhoun, it's in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So start looking at those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, the thing, they've done a pretty good job, and, and John Daniels' feeling is about building a bullpen is that you can kind of do that on the cheap, and I and I think you can for the most part. Um, they've gotten, I think they've gotten a little bit lucky in that they come up with two guys this year. I had potential to be closers. One of them already is, and that's Kella. The other one is Leclerc. Right. Uh, I, I think Leclerc has big time potential as a closer. So they're very fortunate from that standpoint. Uh, I, I mean, Leclerc's Leclerc's kind of split change whatever you want to call it um 
it's you know it makes him a one pitch pitcher. Yeah. Um, but you can do that as a closer if you're throwing it for strikes with yeah. deception. Mariano Rivera absolutely did it pretty well. So, so yeah, I think that they uh, the thing about making these trades is that you know, and people and alluding to that again talking about Elvis is that. You got to think about we're, you're not just getting rid of guys just to get rid of them. You're you're getting rid of in Chu's case, you're getting rid of the contract and and the fact that he's blocking somebody. And in Elvis's case, there's nobody ready to be a shortstop. And, and, and you're not, team. you know, you know, you know, you're not even really getting rid of Chu's contract because we're sitting here saying you pay the money. Yeah, you're. Gonna pay. Oh, yeah, uh, that's and and all the guys, right. all the guys that you you trade, basically, you're you're willing to pay. Um, but you have reduced payroll from last year to to this year. Yeah. Um. You are using that money towards the future as opposed towards what amounts to a sunk cost in in, in losing. You would be getting rid of Hamill's contract. You might be getting rid of some of it. I still, you know, if if he's to approve a trade to a team that's that he can block a trade to, yeah, he's going to want his his 2019 option guaranteed. Yeah, and a team. And what is that? Twenty. Twenty. Yeah. Um, which is a fourteen. Uh, and, and so I, I could see the Rangers. You know, the Rangers' obligation right now is at least a six million dollar buyout. Right. So I could see maybe the Rangers saying, "Okay, what we'll do is it's a twenty million dollar investment. We'll we'll pay X amount of of this year, and we'll we'll split next year's cost with you to maximize that 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 talent return." Um, but do what you got to do to get more talent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, and boy, at the at the upper ends of this system, next year somebody else has got to be up. Somebody else has got to come up besides Willie uh, and be well. I think it, ready to play. I think next year at this time you're going to be looking at the possibility of and, and and if you look around the field, you know you don't really need that many position players. You need a third baseman. You're going to need a third baseman. And who's that going to be? Uh, you may end up playing Profar there and see. Ugh. Um. He's actually he has not looked terrible at third base. Uh, he looked pretty terrible. No, he's made some nice plays at third base. Here's 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 Profar's problem, and I and I don't know understand where this comes from. The other day, it, a ball he cuts off, you know, it's over and towards shortstop. He cuts it off like he's supposed to, and he turns to make that throw. And that the double clutch has become such an issue with him. I don't know if he's afraid to throw. I don't know what the situation is, but if he reaches into his glove. More than twice, which you know you're doing. You're doing good if he just reaches in right. twice, uh, and then he makes a bad throw. Uh, you know, listen. It was we saw with Michael Young, who was a terrific second baseman, an okay shortstop, and really a not very good third baseman. And I think I'm being nice, Evan. You all right? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, you look great. I am great. Uh, is that uh, it's hard playing third base? And and it is it's a re- hard moving around the infield. It's it, well, it's yes, but it's also a reaction position. It is not like shortstop. You know, in shortstop, you get you get time to set up on the ball, and at third base, that ball is right on top of you. So, I you know, I tell you, I think I'd rather see Kiner Falefa play third base than see Profile. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you may see Kiner Falefa playing some third base. I think next year, and I think next year you're going to have Kiner Falefa in in a true. They'll force this whole super utility thing with him, where he is playing. Some infield positions, and he's going to catch um, twice a week. Yeah, maybe three times a week. I mean, right now he's going to catch twice a week. So if he doesn't uh, nail Jake Diekman, well, that league. was I think that was on Jake. <laughs> well, it was yeah, absolutely was on Jake, um, and I didn't really appreciate Jake's attitude after the play. Well, but he completely apologized on Twitter later and he said did. he he owed he owed Isaiah um, dinner. So um, I think. 
Give me, I, I, give me your opening day lineup next year. Opening day lineup next year. Guzman, Odor, Elvis, Profar, um, Mazzara, DeShields, Gallo. Catcher's going to be the real interesting thing. Are you going to give Jose Trevino and, and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa a shot to, to kind of split that with with maybe carrying Chirinos as a third catcher and, and almost a, a catching instructor? Um, <laughs> that was kind of pitiful looking. Uh, I, I What I was getting at is I think that by this point in time next year, you need to start seeing some things like Joe Palumbo just pitched in an Arizona Rookie League game. It's his first time back in a competitive situation on Sunday since Tommy John surgery. I think he's gonna he's gonna go to down east. I think by mid July, maybe he finishes the year at Frisco. But I think by this point in time next year, you'd like to see somebody like a if if you have a rotation injury uh, or just moving guys out, you want to see a guy like Palumbo moving. The disappointing thing to this point has been that the Rangers were hoping that Michael Michael Machuela, a college guy, back from Tommy John would move fast this year. Yeah. He's moved backwards. He's gone out of the rotation at down east. He's pitching out of the bullpen right now. Um, same thing has happened with Brett Martin at Frisco. He's pitching out of the bullpen to try and get him straightened out. Yeah. But you'd like to see some starting pitchers start to push. You know, Jonathan Hernandez went to double A uh, two weeks ago. Hadn't been great at double A. Richelson Pena just went to triple A. Um, so I think you'd like to see some of these guys start to push towards the big leagues next year i i think you're gonna have a decent i think you're gonna have a decent enough group of young position players but the pitching is going to be a real question not a question i mean the, the pitching is going to be a real development season well absolutely it is uh with that and and the, here's the thing uh it's not gone so well for the big triumvirate you know uh, Nomar Mazar has had a good season. Uh, he he's shown pro- some progress, not not a big leap. He's making incremental progress, I think, as the seasons go by. I don't think you're ever gonna. I, I don't think Nomar Mazar is ever gonna give you. You don't think he's gonna be? Uh, it's not, what, what was it? Was it Bill James that called him the next? Uh, no, I just don't think he's gonna give you that excitement factor. You know, I don't think he's gonna hit 450 home foot home runs regularly. I don't think you're going to see him run the bases with exceptional athleticism. You may not see him run the bases at all. He left the game last night with what appeared to be something of a hamstring issue. A lot of that going I, I just on don't, with this team, isn't there? I, I just don't think that – I think Nomar is going to be a, a star player. I just don't know that he's ever going to be – like the guy that comes to mind when I think of Nomar Mazar is Garrett Anderson. You know, you never really thought of Garrett Anderson as a superstar player. He did some. He had some great numbers and everything. But he was never the excitement factor on the Angels. Well, listen, I got no problem with Nomar Mazar at all. Um, what I'm talking about is that Odor has uh, flattened out, and and so now has Joey Gallo. Well, I will let me say this: Odor's numbers in June have been significantly better, particularly on the on base side. He's bunting a lot more. He's bunting a lot more. I asked him to bunt, and he has. Um, but his numbers his numbers on the on base side have been a lot better. He had. Let me see where he was. He was stuck at eight walks a little while ago for the month. But, look, this is a guy who had like ten walks for all the season going into last September. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a guy who's going to have ten walks or, or more alone in June. So he's he's making some efforts there. And, hey, <laughs> Profar's hitting 236. Right. Odor's 237. So yeah. n- not that – not that – No, not, not that any one of them is great. Um, um, but it's, but it's, it's, it's – The big question now – 
is still the the, the slugging hasn't been there this year for no. him. No. Um, so the Rangers say- would give up on some of the slugging to get a better on base and a better approach. Sure, they would. Uh, but that's the thing. It's not. You know, this has not been a good season from their from either one of their standpoints. I mean, they they made some progress. I mean, uh, Ruggie has made some progress, as you pointed out. But this is a guy that when they gave him that contract, right. they thought was going to be a star at second right. base, and right. he is nothing anything close to a star. So I, I want I don't want to act like I'm obsessing over this, but so eventually, who's going to be their third baseman? Nolan Arenado. I knew you were going to say that. There's no one in the system. I don't see that there's anybody. I don't see anybody who profiles as as a prototypical third baseman. Um, now, you know, if you get extraordinary power from another position, um, maybe you can carry a third baseman who's not a traditional power hitting third baseman. But I, I think that that's going to be, you know, I somebody p- posited this to me um, yesterday, and and I I can't say that it's a terrible idea. Um, you know, I don't, I, I would, again, put the chances at well below 50%, but say they do trade Beltre this year. He yeah. goes to a contender. Um, maybe he wins his world series and maybe he wins his world series and retires, you know, as he approaches 40, but he's shown no inclination to me to at this point in time, retire. Um, there's not going to be a market out there for him next year as no. a 40 year old everyday third baseman. The Rangers might have the opportunity for him to play at third base as much as anybody. And maybe they'd sign him to a one-year contract. And for $9 million in the last year of uh, the stadium, um, chasing 500 home runs and continuing to, to pile on over 3,000 hits, and for an opportunity for what would amount to a real kind of farewell tour from the fans, maybe it's worth it. Now, would Adrian decide to come back and play for a loser for $9 million, which is half of what he's getting this year? I don't know. But – I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibilities for one more year. Right, might as well. You got no. See, that's this is the thing to me that is a we we talked about the lack of development of a pitching, uh, and and certainly that is a a, a problem on, on the or the mark against the John Daniels re- regime, but that for all these years that you just never came up with a third base prospect. Uh, I just uh, that's just kind of a little stunning to me, and I and I know what you know. You go into the draft and you look at the draft, and and everybody's draft is, e- is either a shortstop, a catcher, or a center fielder. You know, and and shortstops don't always profile as third baseman, and that's the problem with it. You right. know, it, it's it's and difficult that, to bank that. I think two of the shortstops that they drafted this year do profile potentially as third baseman. Jonathan Ornelas, uh, the f- third round pick, I believe he was, um, from Arizona. And also uh, Damian Easley's kid, um, forgot his first name, but he's a shortstop also from a high school in Arizona. I think both those guys, from what I read, potentially profile as, as third baseman. Um, you know, Josh Morgan has played well in the minor leagues, uh, but he's not a power hitter. Uh, he's also a guy who probably profiles as another super utility guy with some potential right. catching skills. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that, look, I, I, I would say this. Develop me some starting pitching, yeah, and then I'll worry about other positions. Um, true, true enough. And, and, and just what you said uh, when we talk about having power at the position, obviously that's traditionally what you want. I would settle for some really Gold Glove 
not, maybe not a gold glove, but a guy of that caliber at third base mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. going to hit, you know, who's going to have uh, on base percentage of, of 320, 330, and, and uh, you know, maybe hit 10 or 12, 15 home runs. If he can do that, I'd be happy with that because I think this team will mm-hmm. have enough power, mm-hmm. uh, if, especially if Odor ever figures it out at second base. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that goes back to what A Rod said about Michael Young when I asked him about, you know, when John Hart was trying to run Michael off. And, uh, and that was the only cogent thing that A-Rod ever said, at least to me, was that if you got a shortstop who's going to hit 40 home runs, you don't need that from a second baseman. Right. You know, uh, and it was a great point. Well, it was also a different – it was a different era, too. Um, yeah. You know, that everybody was, was, was big on power. Now I think we're seeing more return towards guys have to be able to get on base, guys have to be able to hit the ball the opposite way. You know, a guy like Michael that could come up right now and hit you 15 to 20 home runs and drive the ball in the gaps, yeah. he'd be really valuable to a team. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, You know, I haven't said I, – I, I keep talking about Isaiah Kiner-Falefa as, as a super utility guy and without necessarily a true position. Man, I hate to sell this guy short. I, um, I tell you uh, – He doesn't – you know, he's smallish. He doesn't look like he could he could hold up on an everyday basis. Alex Bregman's small. This guy, this guy has all the mannerisms um, and the work ethic that I saw in a young Michael Young. So I, I don't see, want to I gotta see him short. hit. I, I, but I tell you what, as I said before, I'd much rather see him play third base than Profar. And uh, I think it's a little bit because he's a little he's a little fearless, and because uh, you can't you couldn't want to get out there and, and be a catcher. And a shortstop, and a second baseman, and a third baseman, and not be—he is fearless. Fearless, and to me, the thing is—is is he going to hit? As I said just a minute ago, he doesn't—he doesn't have to hit a lot. But what I've—the little I've seen of him play third base—he's got great hands. I like. Yes, I he's like. He's got him. great hands, and I mean, let's 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 remember remember little, little let's remember this: if the Rangers had left Michael Young at second base for yeah, his career, great. He'd have won multiple gold gloves at second base. Yeah, he had as good a second base throwing arm from the outfield as any second baseman. A I've great, ever. a great relay, a great relay throw. Um, and if you know a guy at that point in time who could hit three hundred and do what he did from second base, uh, I think his case as a Hall of Famer might be a lot Would more have been significant. A borderline Hall of Famer. Um, uh, so uh, you know. So what's up with this organization? The fact that they're always jacking with people like that. I mean, I realize this what they kind of had to. They wouldn't do it with uh, oh, who was the second baseman? They went to the Cubs. They got in the Soriano. Soriano, couldn't think of his name. They wouldn't move him. Right. He was a horrible second baseman. They, they wouldn't move him to the outfield. So, so then he goes to the Cubs, and what do the Cubs do? They oh, put him in the outfield. He went to the Nats for a year. The well, Rangers traded him to the Nats that's in the right. great Brad Wilkerson deal, and, and Frank Robinson said, "Go out and play the outfield," and that was it. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, Look, I think there's I, I think there is a there's a line there. You know, you you want to um you need to be aware of the player and the player's career and what's best for the player's career. You also need to be in some regards aware of what's best for your franchise. True, but you also want to put a guy in a position where he has the best chance to succeed. Right. But also getting guys now look, guys are I don't know if you're aware of this. People in general are very resistant to change. Yeah. And so if you're going to ask a guy to change, usually, I mean, the, the reason Isaiah Kiner-Falefa ended up playing catcher is because he wasn't playing at Hickory. 
And Roy Silver sat down with him and said, you know, when I when I was in the minor leagues, I wouldn't play in either, and, and adding catcher kind of kept me around the minor leagues for a little while. Yeah. And uh, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah bought into that. And so the, the key words in that whole story are buy-in. You know, you've got to get somebody to buy in, and the best way, the best way to get buy in usually is when a guy's not having success somewhere. So, yeah, um, I do think, I think we've seen, we've talked about this ad nauseum, not ad hominem, ad nauseum, um, but we have talked about the Rangers. You know, trying to turn all these guys into multiple position yeah, players. super subs. And in some regards, look, it, it's ended up being necessary because, you know, if you had just said, okay, Gal is going to play first base this year and first base only, then you wouldn't end up with, with the idea, the opportunity to look at Ronald Guzman. You would have written that off. Um, and, and Ronald Guzman has – if you want to talk about good defense, Ronald Guzman has played a very good first yeah. base defense. Yeah. Um, you're good at the corners, I think, defensively, with Connor Falefa at third and Guzman at first base. You're you're very good, I think. Although you're really what we were just talking about, those are your two power positions. Correct. And neither one of them have any power. Correct. So I, Guzman's got Guzman's going to have power. He, he and and he, you know, I mean, he's hit seven or eight home runs already in the big leagues. I, I think that's a little bit more than the Rangers expected. He's not going to be a forty home run guy probably, but I, I think he's going to have legitimate big league power. I think if they thought they were getting another Mitch Moreland, uh, they'd be happy with that. I think he's a you know, look, look. I mean, and who would have predicted that Mitch Moreland would be hitting three hundred? Yeah. Well, you know, you're playing in the right park too. Yeah, that helps a little bit. Um, Two ninety nine with a three seventy on base percentage and a nine thirty seven OPS for the ball for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Uh, although I have to say, I didn't have any problem with him letting him no. go. He's going to be 33 this year too, but I mean, yeah. you know, and and last year, I mean, Mitch was a, again 246 hitter, 770 OPS, but right. he, he did play a really good first base. I, I and I think, look, I think Guzman's Guzman's got four inches of height on him, and he's he's very flexible for a guy his age. I think he's a, Mitch was very good, and obviously a Gold Glover, but I, I do think that Guzman's a better first baseman. I think. I, I let me see this. I I think Guzman can be a better first baseman. I don't know if he is at this point in time, but I think he can be. Pretty close. Uh, I and mean, he has everything you want there. Plus, he's a young guy and he's cheap. And and we'll we'll see where it goes. So these are all good things to develop and, and things they need to be developing and seeing. And and they need to be active at the trade deadline. If this trade deadline comes and goes and everybody's still here, well, then that was a failure. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's one thing you can say. Yeah, I I think you can. I don't like to put a whole lot of definitives on things, but for the future of this franchise, I I think, and even if you say, look, we we're we didn't get we weren't going to get value for these guys, and we want these veterans around these young players. That's all well and good, but it's not what this team needs most. There, you can keep enough veterans here. Yeah, you can. Um, to to have an influence. You have got to maximize value and move guys. Yeah, and I and I think that there's there's bound to be some value for Cole Hamels. Oh sure, I there's that there's value for for all four of those guys we've mentioned uh, for for Beltre, for Hamels, Diekman, and, and Kella. Now it's the Rangers' job to accept that the value um, may not be a case where they quote unquote win the trade, but that they get value for 2020 and beyond. 
Yeah, I think that's the issue for me is is that that's what you're looking at at this point. Even if he's, even if what you get back is not as good as what you're sending out, or at least what that person was when they were in their prime, obviously, is that yeah, you're you're looking for guys who are going to still be around Correct. in those seasons. So, uh, and and they need to be stocking up that farm system. Correct. So yeah, you can't you cannot add enough pitching for me. You cannot add enough upper level pitching for me. Well, I think that the, you know what I think. If there's anything that John Daniels has learned uh, over these last several years, it's that you know what I'm not trading any more pitching. I, I I think he's I think he's you know if you go back and unless and if we we'll do this in our next podcast if we go back and look at all the guys that he's traded, just like all the guys in the in the uh, Hamels trade. Uh, it's not like any of those guys, any of those pitchers have just killed it. No, you know? the only guy he's traded who's ended up becoming a top half of the rotation guy was Kyle Hendricks. Yeah. And Kyle Hendricks really Tanner wasn't. Ro- well, he didn't trade Tanner Roark. He did trade Tanner Roark. But Tanner Roark's never been a top of the rotation guy. No, that's he's, true. He's eaten he's some innings. He's, he's eaten some innings. Yeah. And, and he's eaten some innings in a rotation that had Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, uh, Gio Gonzalez. Just like when. Um, Kyle Hendricks went to Chicago. He had John Lester, John Lackey, uh, and Jake Arrieta. And so he's not been as good since. No. And that's what I'm saying is when you had him in the number four spot behind those other three guys who were some pressure, guys have made some adjustments on Hendricks and and so forth. Um, But yeah, those are two guys that the Rangers have traded who they have been more than serviceable big league pitchers. Right. Uh, and the Rangers didn't and, – and I think what John – look, if you go back and look at the trades that John made in 2011-2012 um, for starting pitchers, for 2011, 12, and 13 for starting pitchers, the Dempster-Garza deals, those, yeah. those, those two deals. Right. Um, and then in 2011, it wasn't so much a, uh, a starter as it was the two relievers. You, he, he traded big-time – Big time packages for guys who were essentially role type guys. Right. You look at what the Astros did last year and the year before; they traded for real difference makers in Garrett Cole and and, and right. Jason, Justin Verlander. And so I think if John's learned a lesson, it's that we're not trading for any pitchers who are three or four starters. Right. Uh, that's that's Tommy signaling that we got to wrap this up. No, no, I think Tommy's saying that a helicopter was about to land. <laughs> Tommy, what were you saying? It was a helicopter. I, it, it was a wrap. Sorry, we've got our our NBC Five live shot coming in in a minute. That was a wrap, son. Tommy, you're I, supposed to come in and start turning the lights on. That's oh, how okay. they that's how they tell us that. That's how they do it. Not that thing where you. Like what you was that say, thing with your? Fingers, I think he was Tommy. saying that you were that was, crazy. No, no, no. I think that's, that's the universal symbol for, for you're ra- crazy. No, universal symbol for wrap it up. Right. You know, yeah. it's always good when you get Tommy on the podcast. I know. I love having Tommy on. Isn't he great? He's you the guys best. have almost went an hour. Did you know that? This one? Yes. Oh, you know what though? It's been. A- Are you telling us we should sign off? Is no, it- I'm just. I'm surprised. <laughs> I. I um- Look, when you've got a product on the field as good as the Rangers, of course. Yeah, yes. people want to hear this. Yes. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. It's eleven eleven. Um, we will. Uh, we will sign off, Kevin. It's been great having you as a guest on the show today. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week with more rangers and other uh other stuff other subjects yeah we'll see who we can round up next week yeah uh hopefully uh david moore will be will be able to no he won't be back uh july the 10th i think is when he gets wow yeah you guys guys off like the whole summer what kind of beat is that anyway you you work for a little while you go out there you cover one game a week 
We need yeah. to have you know what we're on the road eight weeks out of the year. We need to have some um uh OWAs. OWAs? Yes. Organized writing activities for him. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. It's been great. We're gonna turn this over to whoever's coming in for uh our NBC five hit from our fine news department. Uh we will see you next week for a special July fourth preview edition. Um, Kevin. Oh, were you talking to me? I'll talk to you later. Bye.